Today's guest is Rini Langmuir, and she is a blogger, I guess you'd call her that. She writes articles. Uh, she doesn't necessarily have a blog per se, but in the format that you think a blog would be, she does put a lot of her articles on her website. So I encourage you to look at her website, therookieretiree.com. She reflects on retirement. And if you want some retirement tips, Rini is the go-to person. And she talks about her backstory about how she became a retiree, which wasn't by choice. Um, Well, it kind of was, but you'll hear the story. But she is so happy. She is living this retirement life that she loves, knows who she is. She even says she's at peace, which is such a beautiful place to be. And she talks about, and I think that's why this topic is so important and why I wanted to bring her on here because I read one of her articles and it, and she has opinions on a lot of things. Uh, so we we delved into what we think retirement is. And I love her perspective of what retirement is. And I don't think everybody gets there very easily. And so I think her tips on how to get there are really helpful and will be useful. If you're somebody who's considering retiring, retirement, uh, considering when is that going to be, avoiding it maybe because you're afraid of there's not going to be much to do. And so she just has such a great perspective about that. And we talked about a few other things as well. Uh, she went into her backstory about being a widow at a young age, which we talked about late into the episode. I didn't know that about her, um, her career and what she did and what she loved about it and how her, her relationship is with her adult children, which we're going to talk about on another episode because she has a lot to say about that, which I think would be very interesting to, to discuss with her because we both have adult children and also not being a grandmother when she thought she would be, which a lot of people do relate to uh, who have kids and think, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to have grandkids too. You have kids, you have grandkids. So such great perspectives that she shares. And I always like listening to other people and their views because we are, are all different and retirement means different things to different people. And it is different for different people, but it should be what you want. It should be what you love. It should be a time of great happiness. And so in particular, and what led me to bring her on the episode and to talk to her and to have an episode with her was the difference between nostalgia and reflection. And so with that, I am going to let you listen in on our conversation about that. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Lori Wright, also known as Not Your Average Grandma. I created this podcast as a place for women in their second half of life to go to to receive inspiration. If you are at a place where you believe your best days are behind you, it is my hope one of these episodes will spark you to think differently and lead you to a new belief that your second half may actually be your best half. 
I want you to stop seeing your age as a limitation and start seeing it as your superpower. You have years of experience and value that the younger you never had. So it's time to lean into that and use it to fuel your future. No more letting age or circumstances hold you back from the pursuit of a more fulfilling and fun life. The happier we are, the better the world will be. So instead of settling for what you don't want, how about going after what you do want? Listen in and let something you hear prompt you to take the first step in making the rest your best. Welcome to another episode of Living Your Sparked Second Half. And I have a sparked person for you. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Rini Langmuir. And yeah. it looks like <laughs> Renee, but it's Rini. And I love that it's different and that uh, she's different. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. And well, first of all, I love you because you are a teacher. So you have teaching background. My parents were teachers and my sister is a teacher. So I know teachers very well. And I thought <laughs> I should be one. But then I found that I didn't like teaching young people. I ended up teaching older people. And so it's so funny how we have an idea of what we think it is. And even it's just a job, but a job can have so many different modalities and ways in which you do them. And I was so focused on, oh, I have to be a seventh grade English teacher instead yes. of, oh, I'd like to teach. What would I love to teach type of thing? Yeah. So tell the listener who you taught. You were a teacher, I think, for 26, 26 years, years and then you worked at a university for eight years. Yes. And then you suddenly became retired, not through desire of retiring, but it was kind of forced on you. So I love that whole story because a lot of people get forced into things that become very uncomfortable. And I think it led to who you are today and what you love doing and how you really inspire people with your writing. So why don't you share that backstory? Okay. So I actually, I retired twice. I retired in my 50s from teaching, so I had taught 26 years. I was a reading specialist and an elementary teacher, and I actually went back to the classroom in my 50s. Not a lot of fun teaching nine-year-olds when you're 55 years old, <laughs> going on class trips and things. But I retired just because of the politics of teaching, which have since gotten 20 times worse than they were in 2008. And where so, do you live? I, so. I live in a, a, a suburb of Philadelphia. Okay. More like a little rural between Philadelphia and Lancaster. It's called semi-rural. It's oh, called, it's, I love that. So I left that teaching job and somebody in my school district, one of the assistant superintendents was working at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. And there was a need for somebody to do the field placements and student teaching placements and also to teach a course. So it was like a huge, I, one of the questions that you asked me on my little form was, what's a scary thing that you did? And that was a really scary thing to go from teaching to being a university administrator and teaching a new course that was never taught that I had to develop all in the same year. And I absolutely loved it when I had the proper supports. So it, all of the undergrads needed to be in a classroom 
every semester from the beginning freshman year to the time that they student taught. And then there were grad students and undergrads who needed student teaching placements. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people. It was very different than now. Lots of people wanted to be teachers in those days. And I, and I guess to- you met a lot of people through uh, that process. Well, all, all my girlfriends are all from St. Joe's. It was a wonderful, just fantastic until it wasn't. So then the enrollments were down and they just were cutting costs wherever they could. And they were expanding their online program. And I had a colleague who did the online folks placements and they decided to save money and get rid of her. And I told them that it really wasn't feasible for one person to do all the on-campus and online field placements. Plus I had to do all the transportation because we went, it's a Jesuit school. And because they had that Jesuit mission, they went to schools in really dicey urban areas. So I was also in charge of hiring drivers, the scheduling and all that stuff. And I said, it's like really impossible to have one person do the online folks too. And they didn't listen. (laughs) And then there was just one day, one of the special ed teachers needed 40 autistic support classrooms. And I had 38 of them. And there were a couple in the works. And she went crazy on me. And there was some friction with another faculty member. And I had been feeling really sick, like all the physical symptoms, not being able to sleep, shaking. And I just left. And I never went back. Oh, so it was your doing. (laughs) Yeah, I just left. This woman screaming at me. It was so hard to get 38 autistic support classroom. And a faculty member was screaming at me. Oh, good for you. And I didn't have a good assistant. There was an assistant. Nowadays, they use the word gaslighting. It's common. But when it was happening, he was gaslighting me and telling it was just a very bad situation and nobody would believe me. So it all kind of came together. And my daughter was getting married in five months also. And she was so angry at me because I wasn't available. Mm. So I just left. Yeah, good for (laughs) you. Because I think you would have really had some health crisis if you hadn't. I did. I mean, I literally went right to the doctor and I needed like stomach medicine, anti-anxiety stuff. And then she wrote me a note and I was turning 65 in June so I could get Medicare And that was the big thing because my husband has his own business. So I was working for the medical benefits. I got a leave until the Medicare kicked in, which was perfect. That's good. Yeah. Isn't (laughs) it funny? We stay in these situations for the insurance or the the stock. We have these golden (laughs) handcuffs in some cases, or like my, I know one of my daughters isn't really happy in her job. She works for a big company and she won't be fully vested. Yeah, in the summer. So she and yet side. she's miserable and she's having panic know. attacks. That's that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have this husband who had, he sells historical photographs and historical documents and we needed this regular income. So that was me. Yeah. yeah. But it all worked out. <laughs> I know. So I met you because I read an article that you had written and it was this perspective and that I always love reading and getting different perspectives. And that sounds like that's what you did. You went on this mission to learn for yourself as you navigated this new world. And then you exactly. wrote about it and turned those into articles. And now you're helping other people. So let's talk first about what your article that I read said mm-hmm. and how I love it so much. And 
I agree 100% with it. So can you speak to that article? Right. Well, that article, there's always like an inspiration in my life for all of it. And by by the way, all of the things, the initial things that I wrote were supposed to be a book. And I spent a lot of time trying to get it. But you you know how the publishing business is these days. And and even though I spent a lot of time trying to get it published and even thought about getting it self-published, I'm so glad that it didn't work out because I really love the immediacy of writing for the internet. And I really love the opportunity for interaction with all the readers. It just could not be any better. And I'm not doing this to earn a living. So Mm, if I was doing it to earn a living, it would be a different story. Yeah. The article that you liked was called Looking Backwards, Nostalgia or Reflection. And it was inspired by my husband and his dissatisfaction with his friends. My husband's not my first husband. And he's an incredibly interesting iconoclast. And I cannot stand his friends. (laughs) I hope none of their wives are (laughs) watching. (laughs) They are his high school friends and they are stuck. A lot of people in the Philadelphia area stay put their whole lives and they grow up in the certain neighborhood. They uh, buy a house in the neighborhood and then their kids. And that's what these folks are like. And every time my husband gets together with them, he's always complaining how boring they are. And it's all they care. They have a shared love of music. So they like these same bands and things from the past. And he's always bored. And I'm like, why do you get together with them? I said, whenever you tell me about your meetings with them, it's nothing like when I'm with my friends. When I'm with my friends, we really help each other get through life. We are like talking things over about what's going on. We're validating each other. We're moving forward. Whereas your friends, it's like entirely, they're entirely stuck in the past. Mm. So I started looking into it. Yeah. One thing that I read about with you, and this is the kind of friends you have, is that you've been in a book club for 41 years. Yes. (laughs) And so the, the difference that I say is that they're listening to music that is the same music over and over again. There's not a lot of new new music being created by old bands, but yet you and your friends are reading new books. Yeah. These women, most of the women, we all had daughters the same year. We were all teachers in the same school district. Some people have come and gone. Some of them have died, but I'm really glad you brought that up because we really never talk about the past. Right now, the topics are, they're, they're aging. A lot of them are getting closer to 80. And they have kids who have really serious issues like physical disabilities and all kinds of things. And so it is nothing like what my husband has with his friends. We yeah. are not, remember we sat around the lunch table at Lower Moreland Middle School? We don't do that. Well, it also seems to me to, when you say nostalgia versus reflection, even if you're reading an old book, it's new perspective. Mm -hmm. And so, and and then you're sharing with other people, your perspective on what you read versus their perspective. So yeah, it's so different. I I have to say, we don't talk about the book very much. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. I hear about that. I don't have a book club, but. We talk about our lives and it is really quite poignant now. It really is. Mm. And my husband could have a lot to talk to with his friends, but I don't think men are uh, not as vulnerable. They're not as open as women are to sharing their vulnerabilities. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. So then you had this idea of, well, they're stuck in the past. 
instead of using the past as how can I do better or inspire or so what what is that the difference to you? Uh, well, oh yeah. What's the difference between nostalgia and reflection? So I don't know whether it's because I'm not as busy. Like I, I really feel like I was the busiest person on earth. I know I wasn't. Raising children, being a teacher, having uh, my parents passed away in their 90s, all those things that so many women are doing. Um, I did go through a lot of therapy because of things in the family, but I didn't have this reflection time that I have now. I really have time. And when I looked into that subject, Jung is one of my favorites. (laughs) He says that there are certain tasks of old age and that one of them is reflection on your life. And I think that for any intelligent person, it would be a natural thing to do. My husband and I are constantly like, it's really great to have um, a partner who is right there with you. We are always reflecting on our lives and helping each other to understand what happened. So many things have happened. We've both had like unbelievable lives, just like everybody else. So this reflection, it begins with when you first retire, that you've got to do some reflection, say, what am I going to do with my time? So you want to start seeing what kind of gaps you can fill in. What didn't you have time to do when you were working? And there are so many things out in the world, like my beginning essays always say, you just look at life as this one little slice. Like all I did was get in the car, go to work at the end at St. Joe's, sit in my office and come home. And there's so much more out there, but it's very scary to people, especially men. Like a, my friend's husband is a an oncologist and he does not plan to retire because he just doesn't know what he's going to do with himself. Yeah, my so, uncle's like that. He's an orthopedic surgeon. You have to be brave. Mm-hmm. And you have to give it time. So I think you have to have a practice where you take regular time to reflect. And that's what I do every morning, like for sure. Yeah. And I was so lucky, like things come to you serendipitously. I don't, I don't know what I meant to be. I don't even want to pass judgment on that. But there's a book sale at the local high school where I always find the book that changes my life. And it was a book of readings. And I morning meditation readings that I just, as soon as I finished the book, I started all over again. And that book has really changed my life. And there's a lot of really inspirational stuff out there. So that's part of the, you need the time and space. You have to make it a priority. And it's really good to have someone in the house who you can run your ideas by and get some feedback to. That, that is like fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I love how you started by talking about how busy you were. Because I think busyness is a killer. It is a killer. <laughs> to any ability to reflect. Exactly. And I, I think I used to use busyness as, as like a shield because I didn't yeah. want to reflect because then I re- would realize that I wasn't happy. Right. In right. my life. And so I think that is, is a protection me- mechanism for some. And it's just a bad habit, like an addiction in a way. It is. But I think I always tell my husband this because sometimes he's impatient with young people. It's the natural order of things when you're young to be busy. It mm-hmm. just is. Like if somebody wanted to meditate in the morning, that would be really rare that they would take time to do that. It's sort of like a hallmark of older age when it's just natural to have time to do it and to reflect back on all the things that have happened to you. Yeah. 
So nostalgia to you is my interpretation of it mm-hmm. is almost a, a yearning to go back to think- the way things were, which is not being present with where you are now. Okay. And I I pulled the essay out because I knew you were going to talk about some things. And the Greek meaning means a return to suffering, Mm. which is really kind of shocking. Nostos means return and algos means suffering. So like we think of nostalgia as such a positive thing, but really, obviously the Greek philosophers, they knew if you keep looking backwards, there's a lot of bad stuff back there. So yeah. I, yeah. Uh, we, nostalgia comes like wispiness of, yeah. Oh, but yeah, you get stuck in it and then you're not present when you're like that. Exactly. It's fine if you want to hear 50s music, go to a concert once a year or something like that. But there's just as much bad stuff back there as there is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> never knew that nostalgia had a negative connotation ever yeah. until I did the research. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I just had this crazy thought. When I was quiet and did have time to reflect, a lot of times it was when I would dream at night. Yeah, I would think about my old boyfriend from college that I really felt like I still had a thing for. And, you know, when you do reflect, well, that's like a, it's a not good reflection. But when I did change my thinking to today and present and what do I want and why am I not happy? I ended up getting back together with him. Oh, how about So I made the past (laughs) that I was yearning for my present and my reality. And I think the dreams, they're fertile soil because Mm -hmm. all of the unresolved stuff is in the dreams. So it's really great to have a dream journal. My husband and I talk about our dreams all the time. I don't know how, but he remembers like every detail. To me, like they go as soon as you wake up, but you can train yourself to remember your dreams and they tell you to have a dream journal. And that is really a very good thing to do. Yeah. And I actually- Yeah, so that was funny. I thought, yeah, that I think I was really- doing that is is I was making myself miserable by being stuck in the past of oh I where is he what would things be better with him and all that and then once I finally was like okay this is now what am I going to do about my life yeah let's yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. I mean he was calling to you from the past so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean it's this is not a black and white thing yeah. And, and like I wrote in my article, it's not like a Robert Frost road not taken. You you vacillate between the two and you nostalgia and reflection. You're not like solely in one path. And you do. It's natural to yearn for what you don't have right now. Just like with the adult children thing, that really close relationship that you had. And if you don't feel that with one of your children, it's a real sadness. Yeah. So there's a couple things I want to touch on. Number one is that you, number two, we'll get to it, is <laughs> how you feel about retirement, because I have opinion about it too. So I want to talk about that. But number one is that when you retired, even though it was your choice, you loved your job and then it turned into something you didn't love. And so right. in a way you were forced out of what you had loved. And then the way you coped with that, my understanding is that you just started to write That's right. And these writings became things that you shared in articles, et cetera, and that you have on your website, which is the retirement, what, rookie.com? The rookie rookie retiree. The rookie retiree. I didn't have the website for quite a few years because I was going to publish the book. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So the website's only like maybe two years old. I had to figure out how to build the website. I had to figure out a domain name and all those things. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how did that work? I think that idea for people who are trying to cope with a change, and I think one of your things is about undesired change or one of your articles is when something happens to you. I'm trying to, I'm looking through them to see what it was, but yeah. How do you, yeah, an ugly reality, ageism. That's a good one. Um, So, yeah. So did you just say, I'm having these thoughts and I need to just write them down? Well, I've always loved writing. First of all, I taught children. And I've written my entire life. My ex-husband, I would write, he was a religious educator. I would write his speeches. Even when I had my daughter, who's now 44 years old, I wrote a little piece for the paper in Philadelphia. Uh, So writing's always been part of my life. So like maybe somebody would play music if they, that's what they do to relieve Mm. stress. So uh, writing is, it's well known. It's a therapy. It's a therapy. Mm. So of course, that's what I did. I love that. And would you just get an idea or would you just write without having the idea and just start writing? Initially, I got most of the ideas on the website, like in one day. If your channels are open, stuff flows to you. So I got all those ideas. And I remember like, I used to be so different. I used to be so type A, well, I better finish this in two weeks. (laughs) Now, whenever, if I write a piece that's going to be published, I make myself not send it in the same day and go back to it like overnight, at least overnight, I tell myself, just do Mm. not hit send. And then if I'm working on something that's really challenging, they call it a writer's notebook. I'll keep some papers around the house where when I have this free time, ideas are coming. So those ideas, I would say I would write like maybe once every week or once every two weeks. And until I thought I had enough (laughs) for Mm -hmm. a book. And then I started trying to get it published. So yeah, that's how that worked. They, they really accumulated. And the nostalgia one was originally for the book. There were some that I didn't put on the website that I saved for publication. And I'm really glad I did. And I still mm. have some really yeah. good ones that yeah. I saved for publication. <laughs> yeah. And I suspect there's a book in you somewhere. I don't know if you've ever read the book. And it's more of a daily, you could use it like in, in, ter- in terms of a medication, a daily, you get up in the morning and you read an excerpt, but it's the simple gratitude, simple abundance, simple, abund- simple abundance. That started me on a spiritual path. I love that book. I read Did you that, read the I, intro I, about how her story evolved and I she had to reach over this? For years, over a period yeah. of years. And when I was like a seeker, like when I was getting divorced and I was looking for something that that's a very nice beginning for someone who wants to start reflecting because yeah. it's every day and they're all fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. That, yeah. And it's a good to start because it she January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, yeah. it's every day there is an excerpt and, and she has it split into these different themes of gratitude, these tenants, she calls it. And I, yeah, I just loved it. I think I got it in like March. And I just started from like a couple of years ago and I just started from March and I used a lot of that, what I learned from her in my podcast episodes Uh, for a while. Wisdom. But honestly, I am not a striver anymore. I really do not. All I want to do is share this stuff with like people my age. I am not interested in becoming a famous author, any of that. That stuff is over. I've had enough 
attention in my life. Mm -hmm. And I just really like this. Oh, she can write whenever she wants. And then it gets published. And then people write back from Australia. That's my payment. Yeah, I love that. I mean, if somebody said, these are really good, and we'd like to publish it, I wouldn't say no, Mm -hmm. but I'm not seeking it out. (laughs) And people read your articles and reach out to you like me. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You get to have like, good conversations. This is, I've never done this before. This is, yeah. this is my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Because the love two that. places I write, I don't get paid. Yes. I love that. <laughs> All right. So number two, retirement. Yes. So you have an opinion of retirement. I'd love to know what that is. What I've found with the people that I work with, a lot of them are stuck because they're mm. afraid of it. Mm. Okay. I think this is really, I I can't say it's the best time in my life. I think when I had like babies, that might've been the best time in my life, but maybe the second best time in my life, because I feel like retirement is such a great stage of your life because you know who you are as a person. I'm not seeking anymore. I'm not like, I'm not comparing myself to other people. I'm not striving for goals. I have so much experience of so many things, good and bad, that that have happened. And I have created a great weekly routine that's really fun and works well between my husband and I. And I have peace. And my kids, which drove me crazy for so many years... I would say like one, a real key thing for me personally, because everybody has such different circumstances. You can't really paint retirement with the same brush. It is completely different for every person. One of the biggest sadness in my life is that I always felt like the relatives around me didn't want to be as close as I wanted them to be, or other people wanted too much from me. There was never like this balance. It was just work. All the people around me were work. And now a lot of them are gone. My parents drove me crazy. The family of my second husband, they were so nice, but they were too close for me. (laughs) And now I just feel like my life is real simple. Not that many people in my circle. And I feel very authentic. And I'm kind of like doing what I want to do every single day. Mm. And that's great. And I don't have to, I was always like the major breadwinner my whole life because I was a widow when I was 29. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that changed everything. (laughs) Did you have kids? I had a 20 month old daughter. Yeah. So working was such a burden for me. I was always the major breadwinner and the one who had to get all the benefits and the fact that I don't have to do that anymore and I have enough to live on is like the best. I'm not Mm. rich, but I have a really nice lifestyle and I don't have to worry about it. I've got my teacher's pension, which is guaranteed. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's saving my mother because she's in assisted living and if it weren't for that, because they didn't save any money. And saving too, you never know how much. It's, I know. You know like, is it ever I, enough? It could have been a, a private school teacher. I would have been much happier. But I knew that I needed that pension. And it has given me freedom. And I, I can see like my husband, I'm 71, my husband's 73. And he and his partner are still working. They could never retire. Be, they need income. And that pension really does give people a freedom. Mm, and it's yeah. rare. It's- yeah. So you you said you were a widow at 29. So uh, mm-hmm. you're, I guess the divorce, he was your second husband? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband was climbing Mount Rainier and was mm-hmm. killed in an avalanche in <gasps> 1981. 
So that started me on this whole different life that I never expected. Were you an adventurer too? I was with him, but not on, I was waiting for him to come down. I wasn't flying. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. Were more killed? Yeah. It was the biggest, it still is the biggest mountaineering accident in US history. I can't remember how many, like eight or so. Wow. Yeah. It was a mountaineer in Washington state. So once that happened, that was the end of my youth. I was 29. And that's Mm. why I say I worked so hard all the way through. And that's why I'm so happy to be retired. (laughs) Yeah. And so how long have you been married to your second husband and how'd you meet him? I love these stories. Oh yeah, That's great. We have been together since 2006. So it'll be 2004. It'll be 20 years. And we met on match.com. Oh, that's amazing. Fell in love immediately and have had such an amazing life. And you lived locally to each other? I was living in a different suburb of Philly. He was living in the city. And so we met and he he moved in like maybe in two months. He's just a wonderful partner. How long were you single? Not that long? Uh, uh, Maybe two years. Okay. First time. It's like the first time I was a widow, I was single for two years. And the second time when I was divorced, two years. Oh, no more husbands. No (laughs) No more husbands. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's okay to be alone. If you're happy with yourself, there's plenty of ways you can fill up your life. And and my mother-in-law, she had a horrible second husband. Her first one wasn't so great either. But that's another for another day. But yeah, their second one was a minister and he was abusive to her. He was like, not what you see on the pulpit, <laughs> let me tell you. Right. Um, and so he was not the father of her children. And so my husband and his brother actually went to her house at night and they escaped. They got her like they, they, they took her away and she <laughs> escaped. So that was it was not a good situation. Her life is so full and. She She has been on her own for 20 years now. She's the busiest person at 85 that I I know. know. There are people around me, my husband's partner and my brother's a widower. And they don't want to. My brother has a wonderful girlfriend who actually bought a condo in the same building, but they, they call themselves living together, but apart. And then my husband's partner, there are people that are just, their path is to be by themselves. My son's that way too, which kills me. But I know that he's really happy living alone. I want him to have a wife. I want him to have kids. But I just know from all my reflection (laughs) that this is maybe in this lifetime, this is what he has to learn. He has to learn Mm -hmm. to be on his own. I love how that reflection led you to that. Because as parents often, (laughs) and as friends, we want to change. We want for them what we want. Exactly. If you say, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? (laughs) That's it. When it comes to your children and other people that like step back, everybody's so different. Let people follow their own path. And it's real. it was the hardest for me with my kids. It really was to let go. But, and I'm not like a helicopter mom by any means. My kids are like, they're so, uh, they're just not very communicative with me. They're loving and everything, but I don't have what a lot of people have, like texting your daughter every five minutes. And I just see with my son, he's a solitary guy. He's got three cats and he was a a social worker and he switched 
fields during the pandemic and he's managing a hospital cafeteria. And he's so happy. He's going to go to culinary school because he feels like he needs those skills, but he's happy with his cats. And That's so good. Know, yeah. I, you know, didn't make me a grandmother. And my daughter is 44 and she did not make me a grandmother. And that, that was a lot to accept because I never in a million years thought that I wouldn't be a grandmother. Never. Mm, yes. But there are also a lot of people out there who are not because yes. I just wrote a, a piece for 60 and me. It's called solace for never to be grannies. And it has had like over a thousand hits And it keeps circulating because there are so many people who are not grandmothers these days. Yeah. So I definitely want to have you back so we can talk about adult children and our (laughs) relationships with them and how they change. I think there's a lot of people that feel left out by their friends who dote on their grandchildren and talk about their grandchildren. Yeah. And don't have that kind of understanding I think I've done a lot of research about that. So it's a generational thing. We were raised that we were going to be grandmothers. Probably when you were a little girl, you, you, you thought you would be a grandmother. But the reason why so many young people are not having kids is because the world has changed so much. Mm-hmm. The climate change and how difficult it is to make a living. And then what about the pandemic where your kid was out of school for over a year? Like, how about that? Mm. (laughs) want to run it run out and have children i don't think so yeah yeah yeah. it's a different world it is yeah and then there's the grandparents who uh, end up losing their grandchildren through divorce somebody wrote to me because i've heard of people moving out someplace else to be with their grandkids and i would do that of course and then the daughter got mad there's this whole thing about estrangement there's yeah she moved like a thousand miles and then like the daughter doesn't let her see the grandchildren i mean that is really sad i didn't think about the ones through divorce yeah Yeah. i have a friend and her son married somebody that lives it's from a different country you have to be careful with that and then she took them to puerto rico and, and then she accused him of child molestation, which created the whole thing in the court system. Mm. And so he could only have super initially supervised visits in Puerto Rico. So he kept having uh, to travel down there. What, what sadness. And so just recently, he's been granted full custody and the kids oh. have been moved to the States and she can't even see them because she's crazy. She's mm. she's been basically they finally got psychologists involved and stuff and she's really crazy. So yeah, that's really sad because, and then these kids are in the middle of everything and they're your grandkids and you can't influence it in any way, really. You, your hands yeah. are tied. So back to retirement to close up the, the, the episode. So my opinion about retirement, and I love what you said, it's different for everybody. I think that's so important because it has to be customized to what your desires are. And I think you're clearly very aligned and loving what your life is right now, which is makes me so happy. So you're so inspiring. What I think, what I, well, I'm trying to change the definition of retirement because what I see happening to people is that a lot of people use retirement as an escape. It's like the escape valve of, I hate my life. And when I retire, Oh, oh, that. It's going to be fixed. Oh, yeah. Everything's going to be fixed. Everything I want to do, right? Yeah. 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 And I can do nothing. It's kind of like going to be fixed because 
I won't have to work. I won't have to do anything. If it, or the dream is, if I could only quit and I could do nothing. And to me, you should start defining what you want. Just, I don't think, he, to be honest, I don't really think you can do that when you're that busy. Well, that's like, true. I, when I you're really that busy. I did not give it one thought mm-hmm. what I would be doing with my time when I was working because I was just really so busy. Yes. But one of the first essays on my website is that you have to make your first month or two off a retreat. And that's when you really do that thinking. Yes. And then I, I find that. that it's really reflecting. Helpful. Yeah. Re- to add just one thing at a time. Yeah. So what's it? Uh, the first thing I did was I volunteered at a garden. There's a really big, fancy garden around here world-class. And I volunteered there. That was my first thing. Or no, it was the animal. I feed goats. It was the goats. This is very rich in cultural institutions. So there's like a house museum that has goats and sheep. So I don't know why I even thought of it, but I I just went on their website. I like going to this place. It's called Winter Tour. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they have volunteer opportunities. That's what it was. And then I saw feed the goats. I go, that sounds like fun. So I did that. And then I really wanted to do the gardening and it took a while because they didn't need volunteers, but I applied. And then, so it's like, why don't you add one thing at a time that you really want to do? And in the meantime, you have to start spreading out all the house chores. There's so many house chores and you had them when you were working. So there's the shopping every week, there's the laundry, but you don't have to squeeze it in like on Sunday. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 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 I love your perspective because I mean, you've lived it. And so I love that. What I'm hearing is take action. Oh, you have to take action with a reflection time to have that, like you called it a retreat, kind of a yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that. And then start to take action on it's, what interests you. Slowly though, you know, yeah. and then set up girlfriend lunches so you can discuss all this kind of stuff. The girlfriend lunches is is, a, is like a foundational piece of my retirement. I really think like all the women that I see have helped me so much with this. And then it, I was just so happy to stop working. I was so tired. Yeah. And a lot of people are. A lot of yeah. people hear that many people that, you know, are really going to miss all the hours that they put in when they were in their 60s. Who's going to yeah. miss that? No, no. But I do think that retire has the meaning of doing nothing. Yeah. And clearly you're not doing nothing. I think what's helpful for this episode for someone who's listening, who's contemplating retirement or wondering or feeling like I can't because I don't know what I'm going to do. The the whole idea of reflection. Right. You can be busy, but a lot of people are busy and aren't aware that's keeping them from ideas. Exactly. So they can start by this valuable insight you have of, all right, carve out some time to reflect. In the morning, like Mm -hmm. just sit still for five or 10 minutes. Just sit still. That's when the ideas come. Take a bath. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like, just don't think you have to fill it all up. You, You already have a lot to do. You've got all kinds of social connections. You've got, you're in a family, maybe that you have to cook dinner every night. That stuff takes up a lot of time and you don't have to rush, which is really nice. Yeah. I find also a lot of my listeners 
are in that where they're caring for elderly parents as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I that was, I, can be I, very I, much yeah. of a time constraint. For yeah. I, one of the essays I wrote recently was that I can't believe I'm so happy because since I retired, both of my parents died. They were in like one of those continuing care places. And I was like, had so much to do with their estate and visiting them. And it wasn't around the corner. My daughter got divorced and remarried. My son had an illness that was really serious that I had to help him through. There were just so many things that happened. So life is not going to stop just because you're retired. All these things are happening. And the, the elderly parent thing is really that's yeah. rough for our generation. It really yeah. is because you want to be free. And they're like, even if they're in a place, they need attention and they're not capable of, if they haven't made plans for their finances or whatever, you have to step in and you're like running to the hospital every time they take them for an episode from the nursing home and meetings with the social worker. And it's a lot. Yeah. So it's you got to reflect and say, well, what do I want this time? Because you can get sucked into that and, and just yes. some people feel like I have to go visit every day. And I think mm -hmm. that I don't really think that's necessary. I don't think you have to really give up your whole life. Yeah. You can say, I'm going to reflect on what I want to do. And then I'm going to visit like once a week, three times a week, once a month, depending on how far it is. It's a very different stage of life and there's plenty going on. Yeah. One of the things I did to get over the guilt out of not visiting as often <laughs> as I felt I should have was I got a medium and I connected with my father because my worst guilt was that what would my father think? Oh, wow. That's a that gave me so much peace and so much comfort. And because so it was much... your mother, like you, yeah. he would have expected you to go more often, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Whatever it takes to yep. take away. Yes. And he gave her hell for letting herself get to the point she was at, which because yeah, when he died, she checked out. And so you got to do what you need to do. But I think a lot of people make themselves miserable it's out of guilt. Yeah, I do have an essay on that. I just can't think of the title of it. But it's about like, how to be sane with aging parents, something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I found like the best uh, thing when I was researching if only the older people would follow this advice. I found this woman, a professor in Texas, who had a piece that said that the children, oh, not only the children, it's not just the children who have responsibility to the parents have responsibility to the children. And, you know, everybody should be sitting down and deciding things together. Because to me, it felt like pronouncements, these pronouncements of what they wanted, but then I had to implement it. And that is really unfair. And uh, she just had some really good ideas about like how it should really go, because I think most people just kind of let it go until there's a crisis. And mm -hmm. that's when it's not good because yeah. then people don't make decisions well. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. I can see that where it's not necessarily a compromise. It's not a decision, for me. It was a joint decision. Yeah. It's a reaction. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one last question. And yes. oh, by the way, to check out her many useful, because clearly you're talking, you've been writing about every topic, which <laughs> I think is, is great. The rookieretiree.com is her website, which we'll put also put in the show notes. But this question was one that you actually asked me to ask you. So I'm going <laughs> to close with it. Why is living as an older person actually much easier than living when younger? Okay. 
because you're past the striving years and you know yourself better and hopefully you can set boundaries but probably the main thing is that there is so much less coming at you I have such compassion for every young person because there's so much coming at them. And for people who are older, it's, there isn't, there's not, there's, I put, I used to put a sign on my refrigerator at the very beginning when I retired, less is expected of you. Mm. That, that's it. That's the key. Less is expected of me. Nobody really cares so much about me anymore. I mean, I have some wisdom to share. That's great. And I'm part of a family and I have friends but there's nobody waiting for those student teachers to be placed. There's nobody waiting for me to teach fourth graders fractions. And there's less expected of you. You're not striving and you've got so much time and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, I think you are where you are because you spent so much time reflecting. <laughs> it's the, you talked so to much that are yeah, not there, right? <laughs> there's so much positivity and peace in life when you reflect, because when you reflect, you learn more about who you are and what you love and what makes you happy. And I think it's, it's super important to not live a life where you're reactive. I think I lived most of my younger life sure. as reacting, mm-hmm. not being in control. And so this is a time when you don't really have to be reactive. Things will come up. You, and you have to move things to the top of the agenda all the time. I'm always jiggling around my schedule. What's important today? But there's just less coming at you. And that's yeah. a great relief. And you don't have to eat enough money to live on. That's really great, too. Yeah. Not to work that's every great. day. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here and spending this time with me. Would you come back and talk about adult children and our relationship? Okay. We'll play on that. All thanks right. So- okay. Take good care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the Living Your Spark Second Half podcast. If you'd like to watch my guest interviews, you can find the video version of this podcast on my Not Your Average Grandma YouTube channel. Also, you can check out what I have going on at the moment by going to my website at notyouraveragegrandma.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Not Your Average Grandma. If you like this episode, please mention it to a friend and don't forget to leave a review so I know the topics you like best and can bring you more of that content in upcoming episodes. Last but not least, remember to always listen to that inner voice that will never steer you wrong and make living from the most sparked place possible your biggest priority. When we do that, we make the world a better place.